Yes, yes. Omega Watts in the house. Now let me set the table. Now, now, now let me set the table. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Invited to the banquet. I'm glad that you could make it. Any questions? Hi. How are we doing today? Yeah. Hey, if I have not had a chance to meet you, my name's Isaac. I'm the young adult pastor here at First Orlando and the part of the leadership team here at the table. And today, y'all, we are starting a brand new series called Help. All right, so what do we mean when we say that we're starting a brand new series called Help, man? So if it's your first time or first time in a long time, and yes, if you're noticing some Beatles vibes, uh, yes, it was a little intentional. Um, but man, if it's your first time or first time in a long time, we are just so excited um, just for you to be here. And today is actually a fantastic time um, for you to start and kind of jump into what's going on here, here at the table. But uh, to kick us off here, um, has anybody been to the Caribbean? A few. Okay. Is anybody Caribbean themselves? Yeah, come on. And even more so, any Puerto Ricans in the room? Yeah. Oh, you know you can count on the Puerto Ricans to be loud, y'all. And <laughs> I love it. So I'm, um, yeah, so ha- half Puerto Rican, half Mexican. Some of you guys know this. But, man, I want to tell you all a story. So back in the 1940s, um, there was a 17-year-old Puerto Rican girl named Ilda. Right? So she lived, and across the street from her, across the street, um, this new neighbor moved in, and his name was David. So Idla is there, kind of in her house, kind of minding her own business, to where eventually she kind of opens the window and then notices her new neighbor, David. Right? But she just doesn't notice him. She notices him, right? So he's like, okay, David, okay, I see what you got going on. So he then, like, notices her. She notices him, noticing her. He notices her, noticing him, noticing her, and they lock eyes. And they, ooh, fall in love, right? Or at least kind of like, man, is this, like, what's going on here? Here's the problem, though. The problem is that David, at this time in his life, is a womanizing drunk. And Ilda, at this time, is a very faithful following Jesus, is a faithful Jesus-following girl. So what's a girl to do? So here's what she does. She prays. And she prays. And she prays, right? And she fasts and she prays and she starts, starts praying for David. She's like, that's not who I want to be in a relationship with, but man, I'm just praying for him. God, I hope you intervene in his life. And here's what happened to where eventually God intervenes in his life. There was one day on a Saturday night where David's just walking down the street there in Puerto Rico and David has a soul of Tarsus-like experience where God brings David down to his knees and he recognizes and his ways. He doesn't want to continue living the life that he's living anymore. He repents. He commits his life to Jesus. Truly a kind of miraculous story. So then the next day, it was a Saturday night. The next day is a Sunday. So Sunday, David's like, okay, what do, I'm a Christian now. What do Christians do? I don't know. What do Christians do? And he's asking around. Uh, I think Christians go to church. Okay, cool. I should probably go to church. Okay. So then he goes to church um, on a Sunday. And the church where he goes, guess who is leading musical worship? Ilda. So there she is, and she's singing, right? And Ilda's mom is like, ooh, I don't know about this. But sure enough, eventually they start dating, right? They fall in love, and they get married. And these are my grandparents. So that's their, that's their love story, right? So, yeah, you can clap. It's cool. It's a cool story. But y'all, and if you know the story, you know it only gets way better. Okay. So my, so my grandparents are there, so David's there, and Ilda's there, so they start their family together. So after David becomes a Christian, here's what happened. He just falls so in love with Jesus, he's, he has to tell everybody about it. 
So he just starts telling people about Jesus. And then eventually, like, he just goes to the park just to tell people about Jesus. And then eventually he starts getting invited to churches to tell people about Jesus. And then larger churches to tell people about Jesus. And then kind of arenas to tell people about Jesus. And then, y'all, I've seen newspaper clippings, uh, gigantic soccer stadiums to tell people about Jesus. It's absolutely incredible. And through the ministry of Grandpa David, um, people are getting saved and committing their life to Jesus. It's absolutely incredible. This is happening in the, he's like the Spanish Billy Graham. It's like in the the 40s and the 50s and the 60s, right? So, so through his ministry, a lot of people are getting saved, including members of the Puerto Rican mob, the Puerto Rican drug cartel, right? So here's what, here's what starts going on, right? So David is kind of preaching about Jesus and these guys that were selling drugs and kind of like in the drug cartel business, they commit their lives to Jesus and they say, that's not the life that I want to live anymore. So they stop selling drugs, stop pushing drugs. They start going on a different path, following Jesus. Um, so what happens? The drug cartel is now losing money. Why? Because they don't have anybody on the streets out pushing drugs. So that these mob bosses, drug cartel bosses, find out what happened, and they're like, wait, what's going on? Why are we losing money? Why are we losing profit? Oh, David? David Garcia? That's why? Okay, well, we got to put an end to that. So here, the drug cartel, this Puerto Rican mob, um, orchestrates a hit on David Garcia. So it's back in 1977, true story. Back in 1977, now it's a Sunday afternoon, and here's this car that starts driving by, and the family is hanging out on the front porch that had a drive-by shooting to take out Grandpa David. And Grandpa David gets shot. As well as Grandpa David had a 16-year-old daughter who also got shot. So Grandpa David and his daughter, they get rushed to the hospital um, to to where eventually the 16-year-old daughter eventually recovers. And Grandpa David, he's kind of struggling. He's a little bit um, in a a coma-type state for a few months there in the hospital. So now, do you remember Ilda? Do you remember her? Okay, she's no longer a 17-year-old girl. Now she is a woman. She is a faithful, Jesus-following woman who has been following Jesus now for decades of her life. And she comes to a moment where her husband is in the hospital. Her daughter is in the hospital. The Puerto Rican government says, hey, yeah, by the way, um, y'all need to leave Puerto Rico. It's not safe for y'all to be in Puerto Rico anymore. You have to find somewhere else to go. So, you know, Grandma was like, okay, like, okay, my husband's in the hospital. I have six kids here. My daughter also got shot. What am I going to do here, right? Um, Grandma Irla, she had a need. And this need was she did not know where to go. She couldn't be in Puerto Rico anymore, and she doesn't know what to do next, right? So Irla has some unmet needs and could use the series. She could use some help. Now, You may not be in exile because of the Puerto Rican mob. If you are, let's chat, right? But most of us, we just don't really know what that experience is like fleeing for our life from the Puerto Rican drug cartel. However, you have needs. You come to moments in your life where you don't quite know what to do. You have things in your life that you just want, you just need some help and you don't really know how to process um, that help, right? So all of us have unmet needs and we're just trying to navigate. And as we're navigating these unmet needs, some of us, we don't even know that we have unmet needs. But here's what we do know. We just feel off. We feel weird. We feel like we don't quite know what to do next. We just kind of feel stuck. We just kind of feel like we don't, we feel very disoriented. We don't really know what's going on. We're trying to navigate, but we just feel so disoriented. And for some of us, we know exactly what our needs are. For some of us, y'all, it's, uh, we just need some good friends. 
we just feel really lonely. And we're like, okay, God, I have, these, I have this need. I want some friends. Like, come on, that's, I think if I could just have that need met, if I could just get some help, that would be absolutely incredible. For some of us, it's a stable career path. We just have absolutely no idea what to do with our career and the needs that we have that we would like some help just trying to figure out what do we want to do with our jobs, with our careers, right? See, for some of us, we're just like very, um, we're just kind of in our room. It gets real dark and we just like light incense and we're just like, mm, and we just kind of meditate on the higher things of life. And we're like, what is the meaning of life, right? And, and, uh, and you know, and then, then really kind of think through, okay, what is, what's the meaning of my life? What's my purpose? Why am I here, right? And we start asking these really existential questions. So the need that we have is very just kind of um, esoteric in a sense, right? See, and for some of us, it's incredibly simple, the need that we have. We just got to pay rent. Come on, somebody. Y'all know that rent has gone up by like 30, 40%? Well, okay, I don't need to tell you this. You know this. You feel this, right? The loudest preach, right? So how are we going to get our needs met? How are we going to get some help? So fortunately... You know, we actually have some guidance on how to navigate getting our needs met, on getting some help. So if you have your Bibles, are going to be in Psalm 121. Psalms, yes, Psalms 121. And as you're turning there, it'll be on the screens. If you have a Bible, you can turn to your Bible, Psalm 121. Um, if, if you have a Bible, just like a hard copy, just like turn it and just go right to the middle and open it. And there's a 99% chance you're in Psalms. And then from there, you can navigate to Psalm 121. All right, so Psalm 121, and here in Psalm 121, you see there's a title, a descriptor. It's not quite a verse, it's just a descriptor of the psalm. And you see here on the screen here, it says, what is this psalm? It's a song of ascent. So what does the author mean when he says it's a song of ascent? Okay, well, you have to imagine that this psalm um, was written uh, by a Jew, primarily to Jews, Right? So everyone knows that in your Jewish, in Jewish culture, there was three big festivals, three big parties, in a sense, in the holy city of Jerusalem. So th- annually, three times a year, um, these Jews would go and they would go to Jerusalem. And if you look at is- Israel history and geography, um, you know that Jerusalem is on a hill. So as you consider this um, journey to Jerusalem, you're journeying up a hill to Jerusalem. You are ascending. You are ascent, right? So here is a psalm or a song um, around this journey that the Jews are on as they are ascending to Jerusalem, right? And in this journey, because it's really hilly, and if you've ever been to Israel, you know, like the terrain is like incredibly hilly. Um, the, it was not a safe journey. It was actually an incredibly perilous journey, so in this journey, there, there would be these guys, like people that would just rob people. There were like these vagabonds. There was people that would just go out and just to harm people, to take their stuff. It was an incredibly difficult journey. And it wasn't, there was not a lot of confidence if you were actually going to make it to Jerusalem whenever you started out on this journey. And similarly, we can also consider this as a metaphor for our life. Can we not? As we consider this journey, we don't know if we're going to make it. In our life, am I going to make it through this? I don't know. I feel like I'm just going and going and going. I don't know how long this is going to be. I don't know if I'm going to make it. I don't know if I'm going to have my needs met here, right? And because of that, we feel very anxious in our lives on this journey of our life. We're just, we're like really curious on what it's going to be like. Are we going to make it? So here we have this psalm that the Jewish author writes as he's ascending to Jerusalem. And here's what he writes. He says, I lift my eyes up to the hills. 
What are you saying? He's saying, hey, look, I see this journey that I'm about to go on. I lift my eyes up because that's where I need to go. And y'all, it's a long way off. This journey is long. This journey is dangerous. Am I going to make it, right? And we feel this, right? Because he's asking, from where does my help come from? Who's going to help me on this journey? Who's going to protect me? Who's going to guide me? Who's going to provide for me as I'm on this journey up to Jerusalem, right? And we feel this, right, in the journey of our lives. As we're on this journey, it's long. And we're like, who's going to protect me? Who's going to help me? Who's going to provide for me? Who's going to meet my needs when I'm on this journey? See, for some of us, we just graduated high school, or perhaps maybe just one, two, three years ago, we graduated high school. And now we're college age, or some of us were actually in college. And for the first time in our life, there is no set path, right? Because you know this, kindergarten, first, second grade, all the way to senior of high school, you graduate, and everyone's like, woohoo! And it's like everyone throws like the biggest parties in the world because you did exactly what was expected of you. So then, what, which is fine, you know, that's cool. And if you're a parent, you're, I'm gonna, look, I'm definitely doing that with my daughter. When she graduates high school, I'm throwing the biggest party because she did the absolute bare minimum of graduating high school. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, right? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be that parent. I know that. So, like, I'm not shaming other parents that also want to do that for their kids, right? But we all know it's for the parents, not really. For, okay. So, so, the, so for, for the first time, though, in our lives, when you're graduating high school and in college, you're, there is no set path for you. No, okay, do I go to college? Do I not go to college? Do I, which college do I go to? Is that, should I major in this or should I major in this, right? Do I change my degree? Do I keep going? Do I stop going? It's expensive. Like, do I want to take debt? I don't want to take debt. I see like all my millennial friends. I mean, they got in mountains of debt and I don't want that. Like, what do I, what do I do, right? When it comes to the college decision, there's no set path for us, right? I lift my eyes up to the hill. Where does my help come from? What do I do? See, and for some of us that are already have kind of past college age and mid-20s, late-20s, right, early-30s, wherever you may, you may be, um, you've experienced that before. And now you're at the place where you've picked your path, and now you second-guess every decision that you've ever made in your life because of the path that you're currently on, right? You're like, man, if I, when I was six, if I would have picked the green crayon instead of the blue crayon, I would not be where I am, right? Because that led to that decision, which led to that decision, which led to that decision, which led to that decision. And here I am today. Oh, my God, I need, I need a do-over, right? And we're, we're on this path that we're on, and we just have absolutely no idea what we're doing. We're trying to just be an adult for the first time in our life. And I don't know if you know this. It's a little hard right? With just increasing responsibility, right? Um, so we're trying to navigate this, right? See, and for some, it's with relationships, right? With relationships, we're just trying to navigate. Again, we feel lonely. We're just trying to find friends. For some, it's romantic relationships. We're trying to add in romantic relationships with the friendships that we have, and it's hard, right? See, for some of us, man, I've been talking to a lot of us this week. There's health struggles going on. See, some of us in this room, like, we just have health stuff that nobody knows about, Right? And you, and some, maybe your closest people know, but if people only knew where you're having a struggle with, they have no idea. See, or for some, it's family health stuff, right? Your families are really struggling, um, and you're just like, you feel for that with, like, with health stuff or with other stuff that's going on. And for some, it's just like you feel life is exhausting. Sheesh, oh my, I am so tired. I'm busy all the time. I'm just trying to survive. We're asking when is life going to stop being busy, right? Life is hard. We have unmet needs. And here, every one of, every one of us is asking, where does my help come from? When am I going to get some relief? When am I going to get some protection, some help here? 
So he continues, right? We're in verse 2 where he says, where he answers his own question, where he says um, in verse 2, I lift my eyes up to the hill. From where does my help come from? He says this, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then we'll skip down to verse 8 where he says, the Lord will keep your going out and you're coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So let's look. He says, hey, look, my help comes from the Lord, and we know that Jesus is Lord, so we can assume that our help's coming from Jesus. See, and Jesus is the creator of the world, as well as the Lord God, Jesus. He's going to keep our going out and our coming in. By that, he means, hey, look, the journey not only to Jerusalem, but wherever you go, going to Jerusalem, ascending the hill, descending the hill, ascending and descending, going to not Jerusalem, going to other places, going to wherever you are, going to Okoe, going to Kissimmee, going to St. Cloud, right? Going to Texas, going to New York, going to California, wherever you may be going, right? The Lord will keep your going out and you're coming in from this time forth, and here's this word, forevermore. For those of us that have put our faith and our trust in Jesus, now and for the rest of our lives, we have help from Jesus. Not just a one-time thing, it's daily, it's continually. Here's a really helpful way to kind of think through help and what he means by Jesus as our helper, um, or Jesus helping us and sending a spirit to help us is this. It's help is protection, guidance, and provision. Ooh, we want some of that, don't we? Come on. God, can you just help protect me here? I don't really know if I'm going to make it through this. This is just an unsafe situation. I just need some help here. Can you protect me? Hey, God, can you guide me? I really don't know what to do here in this situation. God, can you just guide me? Can you help? Hey, um, can I just get some provision? Can you just provide for me? I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. God, can you just provide for me? So we see that God is the creator and the maker of heaven and earth. He has unlimited power, and he's the ultimate source of help. And we see that God is continually helping everything that he created, right? So here's creation, heaven and earth, right? God made creation, and God is continually helping creation all the time, daily, continually, not just back whenever the psalm was written thousands of years ago, today, now, right now, where you are sitting. I love this John Piper quote where he says that God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. Right now, in this very moment, the very breath that we have in our lungs, God is there providing, sustaining for us. The, us being able to sit, the bodies that we have, is help from the Lord who's guiding us, who's protecting us, who's providing for us. Okay, so now, Practically, though, practically, right? That's all good and kind of, kind of heady and theological, right? Um, what, practically, what does help from God look like? Practically, like, what does help from God look like? Well, okay, can we get just a little nerdy, not too nerdy, just a little nerdy, is that okay? Yes. Yeah, a little nerdy, I got one here, is that okay? Just a, just a little bit, not too much, okay, okay. Because uh, I want you to have your money's worth tonight. I know you paid a lot of money to be here tonight. And I just want to make sure that you get your money's worth, and I've done, make sure, okay. So here's just a little nerdy, right? Because as we ask the question, is what does help from God look like? Here's why it's a little nerdy. Um, it's because Christians have been debating this answer for over 500 years. And as we consider this kind of debate, um, we really have two extreme views, and the two extreme views are centered around, um, and God's help, you have to think of it through the lens of God's help toward us and toward creation that he made, as well as the human action that we put in to the help and the needs that we have, 
All right? So here you have God's action, God's help, and you have human action. So the kind of the two very extreme views with this is, is that the first view is that in regards to human action, human action doesn't matter all that much. That everything is kind of has been predetermined for a very long time that everything that's going to happen is going to happen. So in regards to our needs that we have and as we're processing our life, it's almost like a conveyor belt. And here we are just like on this conveyor belt and we can act and we can kind of like do things and make decisions here and kind of flan and kind of flap our arms and whatever. But ultimately, we're heading down the path that we're heading down and the action that we put in doesn't really matter all that much whenever it comes to our lives and whenever it comes to our needs. God's going to do um, what God's going to do, right? So that's kind of one very extreme view. The other very extreme view is that God, is, it's not just like a conveyor belt, um, it's almost like um, God is like a genie, like on a lamp. And we, with our human action, um, we just kind of like rub the lamp and we ask for things and we just get whatever we want, right? And it's almost like, okay, God, I want a uh, new card. Rub the lamp. Okay, new card. Great. Thank you for providing for my need. Thank you, right? It was a good exchange, right? Or, hey, God, I just want um, um, a relationship. Okay, I'm going to rub the lamp. Uh, okay, thank you, God. And ultimately, that very extreme view um, essentially says that it's all based on human action, and God's, um, God's help is merely just granting to us whatever we decide that we want. Okay, so those are two very extreme views. And as we're processing through that, um, in regard to, so the question is, how does God being in charge of everything, God helping us, how does the interaction between God's help and human action, how do these two things kind of go together and how do they relate? Is it like God just decides everything and we're just along for the ride? Or is there more um, human action um, that goes into things? So to answer this question, I want to look at um, another chapter in Psalms. We're sticking in Psalms today. Psalms 104. And in Psalms 104, he says this. He says, he's talking, you, he's talking, you God, you God, cause the grass to grow for the livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth. Right? You cause the grants to grow for livestock and plants for man to cultivate, that he may bring forth food from the earth. And then he continues later in verse 27, where he says, these all look to you, God. Right? We're all, God, we're all looking at you. And you, God, you give them food in due season. When you, God, give it to them, they, the people, humans, us, gather it up. When you, God, open your hand, they, humans, creation, us, are filled with good things. So in regards to God's help, here's what God does. God causes the grass to grow. God creates rain clouds that then rain hit the earth, God has already pre has planned nutrients in the soil for the grass to grow, right? God sustains the growth of the plant. God does all of that. And here's what humans do. Here's what we do. We see these plants, we see these crops, and we gather it up. See, God causes growth. God sustains growth. And we... Um, we participate in the growth, right? So how do we respond to our own unmet needs, right? We're talking about our needs. We're talking about how do we meet our needs. We're talking about how do we get help. So here's what God does. God gives them food. God causes the grass to grow. And here's how we respond to our needs. And here's the big idea for tonight. Is depend and participate in God's help. Depend on and participate 
in God's help. So what do I mean by depend? By depend, I mean we need to wait for God to provide rain and growth. Wait for God to provide rain and growth. And what do I mean by participate? Participate, I mean we gather the crops to eat, right? So here's what God, God provides food. God's the ultimate source for help. God causes the rain to go. God causes the plants to grow. And we, as humans, are human action as we participate in God's help by gathering the crops that God gives us. So two fears that I have, though, in regards to this big idea, two fears that I have is for some of us, um, we don't really consider uh, participation. We don't really consider our participation with God in in regards to him helping meet our needs. Um, By that, I mean, uh, we feel like God's going to do all of the work. So God's going to cause the rain to come. God's going to cause the plants to grow. Um, God's going to literally physically pick us up and sit us at the table. God's going to get the food. God's going to cook us this very delicious meal. God's going to put the meal on our, in our plates. God's going to cut it up and cut off the crust corners that we don't want, right? And then we're going to, God's going to then like spoon feed us, all right? And then God's going to then pick us up and place us in front of the TV because then God's going to do the dishes for us afterwards. And that's what we just consider God just to do everything, right? And so what do, I, what do I mean kind of practically by that? I mean, like, say for some of us, um, we just really don't like the job that we have, and we really don't feel like the job that we have is what we were uh, called to do, and we just feel really frustrated. And then whenever we talk, and you, we know the key markers, because then we talk to our friends, and we talk to our community, and everybody around us is telling us, yeah, you should not be there anymore. You should probably consider getting a new job, right? And you hear this, and everyone around you is telling you this, and you feel this. And yet, some, for some of us, what do we say? We're like, yeah, but I'm just waiting on God. And I'm just going to be really patient, right? And we sound really spiritual whenever we say that. um, But the reality is, is that we are not participating with what God wants to give us, right? And because for us, we just want like a neon sign in the sky for some like, for somebody just to magically like hack a computer, get our resume, take it to a recruiter, tell our boss. And then we, all we do is get an email and say, hey, you are now hired for this job that makes $150,000 a year, right? And like, oh my gosh, that's, I'm glad I waited on God. That'd be incredible. Right? So for some of us, that's what we think that God providing for our needs is. And I think that um, undermines the gathering process that we get to participate with God in. Right? For some of us with relationships, we're like, man, I'm so lonely. I don't have any relationship, right? And unless the Amazon Prime guy comes knocking at our door, like to ask us to be a friend or to ask us out, you know, we're not meeting anybody. Because we're just staying home, right? And we're just there in our room every day doing the same thing, same thing over and over, not putting ourselves in new situations. And one of the greatest joys that I get to experience is I get to see people, many, many of you, it's incredible, many of you that are actively participating um, in God's help. And by that, I mean God has provided these things, right? And you are like willingly participating and have put yourself in, for your own perspective, incredibly uncomfortable situations, And because of that, you're experiencing a life that you've never experienced before. The best version of your life that you've ever experienced before. Why? Because you're actively participating and putting yourself out there and meeting new people and making new friends and doing things you never thought you would do before, right? And you're doing such a fantastic job. So I just want to encourage you, if you're doing that, just keep doing that. Keep participating with God. Now, can I I say my even bigger fear, though? Because one fear, smaller admittedly, is that we don't participate with God. Here's my even bigger fear for every single one of us, myself included. Is that the fear is that we don't participate. My fear is that we don't depend on God. 
See, and by that I mean some of us, man, we are so resourceful. We are so smart. I won't even say me. I'll take myself out of this. You. You are so resourceful. You are so smart. You're so intelligent. And some of you, you're just so scrappy and you know it, right? You can just like get things done, kind of elbow grease. Like you just like, you just know how to make things move, make things work, kind of move the needle in the areas around you, right? And we're so resourceful to the point where we don't really need God because we can just make things happen on our own, right? We can use the resources that we have. We can use our knowledge. We can use our intellect. So my fear is that we start living our lives in a way where we so perfectly have orchestrated our lives to where we don't need to depend on God anymore, right? We can just buy our way out of problems that we have, right? We can just network our way out of situations that we may come through, right? Where we can just, where we just don't need to depend on God anymore, right? And for some of us, man, we're so smart that we're just, we, just, we can just meet all of our own needs. Any need that we have, any problem that we have, we can just find a way out of it. We never need to consult God. We never need to ask God for help. We can just figure it out on our own. Like, for some of you, you can even, uh, like, uh, build, like, build a rain machine to even, like, make the grain grow, right? You're just, like, so smart. You can, like, figure out how to, how to do that, right? And now, I think another reason for some of us that don't, don't depend on God um, and even more so, is that we've tried to depend on God before in the past. And it didn't work out. And we actually feel really hurt by God. We feel burned by God because um, we tried to trust, we tried to depend on him, and it was like the worst thing that's ever happened to us. And we, by God, took us to the worst place that we've ever been in. And we're like, man, I'm not, I can't do that again. I can't get hurt like that again. I can't be burned like that again. I'm not going to depend on God. So God, you can kind of exist, but I'm, gonna, I'm really going to do my own thing here. And God, either, here's what I want to happen, God, and either you make it happen or you get out of my way because this is what's going to happen in my life. Now, whatever your story may be, whatever situation you may be in, whatever your story is, um, I'm so glad that we're here that we can just start processing through this and really considering and thinking through what does it mean to depend on God and what does it mean to um, participate, right? So we depend and participate in God's help, right? And my hope and my prayer for you, depending on whatever your story may be of trauma that you're still navigating, whatever your story may be of um, participation that you may have, wherever you may be, here's here's my hope and here's my prayer for all of us that we see God as he's just actively working in our lives. We see him so evidently working that whenever something happens, we know for a fact that it was God and not, no, not because of any other reason. Not because of anything that we did, not because of anything that somebody else did, right? But we know for a fact that it was God. I love this quote, and here's my prayer and for us, is that what might God do today? If it happens, I know only God could do it. When it comes to our needs, when it comes to our unmet needs, as we're processing, as we're reflecting, could we just pray this prayer and ask this question in our lives? It's like, what might God do today that if it happens, I know only God could do it? So about four and a half years ago, I just moved to Orlando. And um, so I moved in and I lived at the, um, if you're looking for an apartment, I'm a big fan of um, uh, Heritage on Millennia. They've been good to me. I've lived there a couple times. So there you go. If you're looking for places in Millennia, it's about five minutes away. So when I first moved here to Orlando, that's where I lived. So I moved there and I kind of moved in and all my stuff came in, except I didn't have a couch. 
So I'm there, couchless, and like everything set up, dining room table, like everything set up, decor on the wall, and then I'm just like sitting on the floor, like trying to like watch TV, right? And I'm like, okay, I need a couch here. Okay, what am I going to do? Okay, I need a couch. Okay. And then I tried a little experiment, right? And my experiment was, you know what? I'm going to be so specific with exactly the couch that I want. So, you know, so I started, you know, I'm also new to Orlando, so I'm trying to make friends. So I start going to life groups, and I try out a few different life groups. And this, um, in every life group that I went to, during the prayer request time, I would always pray, ask for prayer for the exact same thing, like for a few weeks as I was going to life groups. It's like, all right, Isaac, what, do you, what can we pray for you for? And I'm like, I want, and can you pray for, a brown micro suede leather sectional couch that can sit at least six people. True story. And everyone looked at me exactly as you're looking at me right now. And you're like, that is the most oddest, strangest prayer request. I was like, yes, that is my prayer request. Let's just pray. We'll see what happens. I'm going to be open-handed with this. But I'm praying. I'm letting my, my, my request to be made known to God. I'm being very clear, like, well, what I think I want. If God wants to give me that, fantastic. Okay. So a few weeks go by. And I also, so I did that. And I was kind of like joking, not joking, like with that, with my little experiment. But I kind of forgot about it. So a few weeks go by until I'm there. And I'm looking at my living room, and it's still couchless. And then I, to, to the point where I, I, sometimes I can just be um, impulsive. Anyone else? It's a little bit like that. Like, I mean, I just need to, I need to make something happen right now today. Like, I'm tired of sitting on the floor when I'm trying to watch TV. I need to, like, do something immediately right now. So it was a, I'm off on Friday, so it was a Friday morning, and I'm, I get on Facebook Marketplace, and I, and I see a couch. I'm like, okay, fantastic, great. There's a couch. I can get that couch. Okay, here's the problem, though. I can't move the couch by myself. I need some help. And it's a Friday afternoon. And I don't know if you're aware of this. Most people work on Fridays, right? So I'm like, okay. So I text 10 people. I'm new in town. I barely know anybody, but I'm just like texting 10 people. Hey, can anybody, is anybody free to help me move this couch? And every single person says no. I'm like, okay, great. <sighs> okay. So I don't have anybody to, move, uh, to help me move it, as well as I don't even have a truck or any way to like get it. And the place like doesn't deliver. I'm like, okay, what am I going to do? So eventually, I reach out to one more person. Shout out Alec Raquel. And Alec, who's sitting here today. There you go. So Alec's like, Isaac, I will help you move the couch. I'm like, fantastic. So then I'm able to get a truck and I'm able to rent one um, just for a few hours to be able to, to get the couch. So then we go, Alec and I go, and we go to the super bougie, like downtown um, apartment complex to where the guy was like, I just bought this couch brand new. It doesn't fit. You can basically have it. I'm like, oh, Great. Okay. So then Alec and I, then, you know, we get it. We put it in the truck. We drive to my apartment. We're trying to go up the stairs. We're pivoting, y'all. We are. We're pivoting, trying, just trying to make it fit, right? And eventually we get it into the right spot. And then I'm like, Alec, thank you so much, man. He's like, absolutely, bro. I got you, right? Then he leaves and I'm there. And then I just had this moment that just hit me. And in this moment that hit me, I'm looking at the couch and I'm like, oh my gosh, there in my living room, it's a brown micro suede leather sectional, conceit six, couch. And I had like almost completely forgot that that's like exactly what I'd prayed for. Like it took me a little while to have that realization. Like, oh my gosh, this is like literally exactly what I prayed for, that I had my community and people that are barely getting to know me pray with me around this need that I have, just a place where I can just sit and just watch television and be able to host people and be hospitable, right? It was incredible. And then I know that kind of sounds silly, but then, you know, I was reflecting on the story because you know, this happened four, four and a half years ago now. And I was just reflecting on the story and how that was just a cool reminder for me as I stand here today of this journey that I've been on. All right. So I've been here on this journey of my life for a long time. I was 28 when I moved here. I'm 32 now. Right. And then four years later, here I am still on this journey. And the same God that 
granted my incredibly silly need of just wanting a, a brown sectional couch is the same God that sustained me every single day of my life for the next four years since I've been here, right? And God has been so faithful in my life. And in this journey that I've been on, right, I just look and I see Jerusalem on the hill, and I see these needs around me that I have. And throughout the last four years since I've been here in Orlando, a lot of different needs have come up. And sometimes to the point of like, I don't know how I'm going to make it through this. I don't know what's going to happen next. I don't know how I'm going to get this need met. But here's what I do know. I know that as I look at the city on a hill, where does my help come from? And my help comes from the Lord. And I don't know where you are today. But my hope and my prayer that wherever you are, whatever you're processing, whatever you're going through, hey, look, I know the screens are, are, are tech issues right now. It's not our tech team's fault. Other things going on. They're incredible. Hey, y'all, production team, y'all, y'all are absolutely incredible. Doing an incredible job today. I know that's going on. But look, here's my hope and my prayer for you, right? Is that God provides help. And in God's provision for help, that God is guiding us, God is leading us, God sustaining us, and the needs that we have, we know without a shadow of a doubt that we can depend on God and we can participate in God's help. So here's a couple of reflection questions that I have as we think through dependence um, and participation. Number one is reflection questions is where can I ask God for help? With the needs that I have in my life, where can I ask God for help? Where do I need help? What, what needs do I have going on? And for some of us, we don't really know what specific needs that we have, right? We don't know what's going on. All we know is that we feel anxious. We don't know why. Or we feel really angry and we don't know why. Or we feel really just shameful and we don't really, we're just sad. And we don't know why we're so sad, right? And my hope and my prayer is that we just start asking this question. All right, God, only you can do what only you can do. Where can, I, where can we ask God for help to come in and help us in our lives with the needs that we have? And the second question is this. Um, how can I and how can we participate in God's help, Right? So how can we depend on God for help? How can we ask God for help? As well as how can we participate in God's help? See, and for some of us, we may have absolutely no idea how to participate in God's help. And that's exactly why we're having this series. Because for the next four weeks, we're going to tackle very specifically, very practically, um, um, uh, situations that young adults, I don't know if you're aware, we're young adults here in this room, 18 to 30s, right? So whatever needs that we have, we're going to help with specificity and with practicality navigate. Hey, what does it look like for, to, for help and belonging and just having relationships? hey, what does it look like just for like physical needs that I have, right? I don't know how I'm going to pay rent tomorrow. I don't know how to navigate that. How do I navigate just the physical needs that I have in my life, right? Um, so I'm like, hey, man, I don't have questions around just meaning and purpose in my life. And I don't know. I just need some help in trying to figure that out. Right? And for some of us, man, I just need job. I just need some resources. I'm incredibly dependent on other people. I would love to be more dependent. Sorry, I would love to be more independent just as an adult. I'm trying to grow from being a child to being an adult. I just talked about last week, and I would love to do that financially and with just the resources in my life. So, so with question two, perhaps we don't have a good answer today, and that's okay. But my hope and my prayers, I just want us to start thinking through it is question one, how, where can we ask God for help? And number two, how can I participate in God's help? All right, so do you remember uh, my grandmother, right? My, my Puerto Rican grandmother. So she prayed, she asked God for help, right? She was like, I know my help comes from the Lord. So here was her prayer. She said, God, my husband's in the hospital. 
My daughter's recovering from also being shot. Um, I just have this need here, God. I just need some help. And God, here's my prayer. Uh, my prayer is that you would help send someone to help us. Someone, someone to help guide us. Send someone to help protect us so we can navigate this unsafe situation in Puerto Rico to a, pla- to a place where it's a lot more safe for our family. as being told by the Puerto Rican government. Okay. So here comes a phone call from Texas. And in Texas, there was a, 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 this pastor family in Texas that heard what happened to the Garcia family. So they heard what happened, again, because my, uh, my grandpa was kind of like a Spanish Billy Graham, like semi-famous, like in the Spanish-speaking Christian community. So this pastor in Texas reaches out to the Garcia family and says, hey, we heard what happened in Puerto Rico. Hey, um, if it's not safe for you guys to be there, we would love for y'all to come to Texas. Just come be with us, and you can be a member here of our church family here. It'll be a safe place for you and for your entire family. So here are my grandmothers. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And oftentimes, we'll talk about this in future weeks, help looks like other people that are listening to God and offering help on God's behalf. So there she um, decides that that's where they're gonna go. They're going to Texas. So she and the, my grandpa recovered, right? And the kids all kind of get in the plane, right? And if I can't get in the, you can't, you know this, you can't drive from Puerto Rico to Texas. Are you aware of this? Okay. So they get in the plane and they fly from Puerto Rico to Texas. And there they are with this new community and this new place and this journey that they're on. And they don't know what's going to happen next. And their entire lives have been absolutely uprooted. But here's what they all know, especially my grandmother, is that my, I cast my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. And here is the Lord protecting. Here is the Lord guiding. Here is the Lord um, just providing for them and guiding them, as well as here is my grandmother so faithfully, just so faithfully participating in God's help in her life and not saying, no, we don't want to go to Texas, but it's like, okay, God, this is it. I'm trusting you. Let's go. Taking the whole family to Texas, right? So the, so the pastor there in Texas, um, he had um, a 16-year-old son who was also praying for the Garcia family. And he heard that there was a 16-year-old daughter. And he starts praying for the 16-year-old daughter. So the next day, pastor's son, 16-year-old, meets um, uh, evangelist, 16-year-old. They meet the next day from Puerto Rico to Texas, and those are my parents. And that's how they met, right? So some of you have heard, you know, some of you have heard the story before if you've been at the table for a while. But that story is so meaningful to me because I literally would not be here. I would not be here had my grandmother not depended on God for help and also actively participated in God's help in her life to trust God to move to Texas so my parents could meet so I could be here today. So I don't know what your story is. I don't know where God's taking you. I don't know what needs you have. I have some assumptions kind of generally, but with specificity, I have absolutely no idea what needs you have in your life. But here's what I do know. I know that my help and that our help comes from the Lord, no matter what need we're going through. And it may not always be what we want, but it's always exactly what we need. And here's what I know as well. For some of us, we, we, as we look at our lives, you know, we've been reflecting this entire time, this entire time. I've been talking for 40, 45 minutes here, 40 minutes, right? And you think, you know what? Like, I, my needs are, we're okay. Like, I'm actually, I'm in a pretty stable place in life. And yes, I have needs, but also, like, I'm in a pretty stable place in life. So my question to you, and as we'll keep talking about it through the series, is for those of us that have many of our needs met, what does it look like for us to be, be able to participate with God in helping in the needs 
of others. We'll talk about more about that later. But here's how I want to respond. Um, can we put the reflection questions back? So with these reflection questions here, here's how I want to respond. We're just going to sit for a few minutes, and I want you to think, to pray through. To, if you have a journal, you can bring out your journal. If you don't have a journal, you can just bring out your phone. And you can ask, ask these questions to yourself. It's like, man, where can I ask God for help in my life? We just, we'll just spend a few moments just to sit and process. And the second question is, how can I participate in God's help? All right, so you can just sit there for a few minutes. Um, I'm going to pray. After I pray, the band's going to come out. But when the band comes out, don't be distracted. They're just going to be out here for a little while as you're continuing to reflect and reflect and to process. And then after a few minutes of reflection and processing, then we'll kind of sing together to wrap up our time together. So let me pray for us. Um, God, I thank you. God, I love you. God, we thank you. God, we love you, God. And you are the God that helps us. You are the God that meets every single one of our needs. God, my prayer is that we can be so dependent on you, God, not as a sign of weakness, God, but as a sign of your strength. God, and my prayer is for us, for all of our friends and all of our family in Orlando, God, that we can just be a beacon of light, God, for your help and that we, God, uh, may receive your help and be a help to others for our good, for your glory, for our good, and the good of the city that we love, Orlando. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just reflect for a few minutes.